Tulby. A crumbling, crumbling, crumbling castle. What's up, dude? Hey, man. How are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling good. I got a big old, a big old bowl of tea over here. Ooh, I got a, I got a big old plastic cup of wine. Ooh, my boy's drinking here. wine right now. Look, I just wanted to bring a level of class to this podcast that I feel it severely lacked. It's about until God now. damn time. You know what I also have is a volcano vaporizer on my desk right now, and I'm about to blow up a bag, Ooh. brah. Volcano! That's right. I'm about to blow up a bag. I felt like this album <laughs> is so deserving of me getting very high while we wow. talk about it. Dude, I... I've never experienced a volcano in person. Oh man! Uh, I can only imagine it's a daunting challenge. It, it's it's a daunting object. It's very uh, like unnatural. It's it's <laughs> right. It doesn't feel natural at all. Uh, but I love it. It is just such a strange ritual, you know. Like part of the reason I love smoking so much is the ritual of like rolling the joint. Or, you know, breaking up the weed and putting it in a bowl and, like, every, you know. Grinding it up. Yeah, doing all the, you know, the earth, wind, and fire elements to have to get high and everything. And then mm. then it's, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm using, like, a small computer that has a, a fan on it. And I'm blowing a bag full of weed vapor. And I'm living in the future. I don't know about you. You're, you're living in the year 3000 right now. I'm kind of just back here in Polygondawana land. Yeah, you're just, you're, you know, just kind of hanging out. Just, you know, I mean, it's fine. You can live whatever meager existence you would like. But on, on my side of the fence, I'm I'm smoking volcano. Living it up. I'm vaping on, on Valks. I would, I desperately actually want to hear how this came to be. Like your history of, like your, your viewpoint on volcanoes, what got you to buy one? Because oh, it's not it's not cheap. <laughs> no, dude. This thing was um, north of like it was more than five hundred bucks. I'm almost embarrassed to say how Whoa. much it costs. I know. Whoa. I'm embarrassed to admit that it was more than five hundred. Um, but it was, and uh, I feel like it was totally worth it, dude. I mean, this is wow, really. Yeah, this is. Uh, I mean, it literally was a journey of like two or three years of buying all the other vaporizers before I finally got this one. And, um, you know, I really honestly, surprisingly, because I did a shitload of research and literally all I consumed for months was vape content on YouTube and <laughs> different reviewers and fucking like I told you, there's vape influencers and shit. Right. Uh, yeah, that was all I did. So I basically became an expert in about six months. And uh, so I've bought a ton of them and I haven't regretted any of them. What? What? What got you over that line of finally getting the volcano, though? Oh, man. Uh, a government stimulus check. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got a, I got a mandatory stimulus check from our government. And uh, I, you know, as fucking horrible as I feel to say it, I didn't need it. I didn't need the money. Well, but I was the, like, hey, the, man, this is my chance. It, it's not about you, is it? It's about the economy. It's about the people. We got to fuel the economy, the person yeah. that you spent 
the the store where you spent the seven hundred dollars or whatever. Yeah, I bought it in that Europe. Could have paid for like two months of my rent. <laughs> uh, I'm sure was very happy. It would have been hilarious if I bought it from a store in Europe and had them mail it to me. <laughs> and I just like took this money and threw it out of the country immediately. That's really what yeah. it was. I wouldn't have bought. I was actually I was gonna buy it um, whenever we moved to California because I thought this is a you know this is a reason to buy such a huge thing like that. It's like to celebrate a move or you know kind of make something a little more fun you know and and um, like moving cross country. I thought that was a good excuse. And then I got the stimulus check and I was like, dude, I don't need this money. I I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. I almost donated it and I'm so glad I didn't. <laughs> just kidding i regret it but um yeah i you know i i started getting a little freaked out because there's a vape ban now where um the usps will will no longer allow shipment of vape products in the mail anymore oh wow and so you know okay. i don't know what's going to happen with all these stores that i support and stuff like that and and you know i started freaking out this was back in march that i was we weren't moving for another few months, and I thought, man, if I don't buy this shit right now, um, it, I'm never going to buy it again. I'm never going to be able to. And so I kind of on a whim, I was like, I have this, you know, fucking thousand dollars or whatever that they gave me. And I was just like, you know what? I'm doing it. You, you just kind of were you almost thrown into it because of I was I was forced. Really? I did it for my country. They didn't really they didn't give you any other choices. No, I had my my hands tied behind my back, Brett. Yeah. And so I did what I had to do. And uh, yeah, man, it's awesome. I'm excited to blow up this bag and uh, and get into this shit. But I forget. You know what? I was going to say something else, but uh, fuck it, man. Let's just, let's just do this shit. I think there's a lot to talk about with this record. You know what? I did want to say one thing, which is what's up, guys? Welcome to the Earbuds podcast. That is EVP cast, baby. Uh, I am your co-host, Brett. Happy Halloween, Plastic Wine Cup Hanrahan. Uh, yeah, a little late. Me. A little late. <laughs> a little late. Yeah, a little late on that. Uh, but look, I don't conform to your trends, Lucas. Well, okay. it's not me. It's the world. Uh, with me, as always, is Lucas Volcano Magma. Indrakovs, fucking throat slitter Indrakovs. <laughs> we got a special episode for y'all today. Oh man, I'm so uh, excited to talk about this, dude. You know, I almost wish that we had just taken a week, that like for the next month we just accrued King Gizzard episodes and just threw them all, like uploaded them all in a week. You know what's crazy is we could do only King Gizzard albums. And probably have a three months or three four months worth of podcasts just from that. Oh alone. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's fucking crazy. And and uh, it, oh, bless you. Well, <laughs> and, bless you. Yeah, thank you. That was polite, um, <laughs> dude. I uh, I mean today. Oh, there goes my volcano. Uh, today we're talking about one specific record by. A one King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And the record is, I think, still my favorite King Gizzard record, Polly Gondwana Land. Is that is that like an intonation of doubt, I hear? A little bit, man. Uh, I mean, Uh we've talked about it many times before, but Butterfly 3000 is is really, really made an impact on me. 
when when I when it came out this year. I mean, I was literally thinking about this today on the ride home in hell Austin traffic. But it's picking a King Gizzard album is like you know picking your favorite fruit versus vegetable versus what it, like they all their albums can be so different the band who did butterfly 3000 is not the same band who did polygon one land it it but it is but, but it is <laughs> but they're actually missing people they they've they've had a a drummer leave in butterfly 3000 and uh you don't really feel much of the difference until you go back to an album like this and then you realize how cool it is to have two drummers playing at once uh, I think it's two drummers have been a little overrated, overrated, but I'm not gonna get into you it. You ever it does heard of Andrew good. WK Brett? Yeah, yeah, you've heard of him for a reason. <laughs> and it's the duo drummers. It's the only reason to know about him. Sorry, I'm blowing up this bag. I keep muting myself. <laughs> uh, well, it's it's just so like, how do you compare an album? like Butterfly 3000 to an album like Polygon One Land? Like, how do you compare an album like LW to I'm In Your Mind Fuzz? They're just wholly different yeah. things entirely. They they are. It's almost like every album that King Gizzard puts out is in a, sometimes in a loose way, but also sometimes pretty spot on, a concept record. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and this one in particular is in a, like a concept series of records. Which is, uh, I this might be the first episode where I feel like I didn't do all that I could to properly enjoy this album because I didn't really? want to listen to the other three albums and analyze the lyrics that like kind of connect to this one and get the lizard verse, the, gi- <laughs> the giz verse, the giz verse lore in my head. Uh, dude, I didn't realize that it was part of a series. Is it connected to Murder of the Universe? Yeah, I mean, oh, it, that it makes had sense. that same narrator, right? Yes, in for that sure. third song. Yeah, uh, and they mention there are like kind of names uh, that that go across the albums. I I read on Genius that someone thinks like one of the songs is sung or narrated by uh, the Cyclops from oh. uh, Murder of the Universe. Oh, I forgot what his name was. You know, the only connection that I that I truly picked up on was the the narrator in um, man, what was right. that one? In was it Castle? Yeah, uh, Castle in the Air. Or? Uh, yeah, Castle in the Air. And it's only the it's only that track that they have the narration. So had you not mentioned that to me, I wouldn't have thought that it was part. What, what's the other album in the tr- in the trilogy? Uh, well, it's I if I remember correctly, I think. It's Murder of the Universe. I think I'm in your mind, Fuzz, and uh, and Polygon Dwanland. <laughs> what's what's the what's the like the main Gizzard album that you think of when you think of me, Lizard? Nonagon Infinity. That's it. And really, uh, so it's Nonagon Infinity, Polygon Dwanland, and Murder of the Universe. And I'm in your mind, Fuzz. That's that's four albums now. Yeah. That was a trilogy. I said it was, a but series. I'm in your I'm in your mind fuzz. Is that came out like three or four albums ago? Well, what does that even mean to King Gizzard? I mean, yeah, maybe they just revisited it, and you know, I haven't like, actually listened to the, to those earlier records a lot. They're really noisy garage stuff. 
I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth on them. Uh, but real quick, I will draw your attention to the album I'm In Your Mind Fuzz, which depicts a castle. What? All right, wait a second. Shut up. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe even a crumbling castle. Oh, my God. I think you're right. I think this is all part of a thing. I love yeah, their and, artwork, uh, man. That art is so cool. Oh, yeah, it's so cool. And uh, th- someone spout it, gave a theory that, like, this kind of structure that's on, I'm in your mind, and uh, uh, Nautagon Infinity is Polygon Dwan Land. The, the artwork is, like, the land of Polygon Dwan like Land? Like that, that kind of spire in the middle of the uh, album that like, that's fucking mountain. cool that's really cool and I, murder of the universe is that like a castle I, who can even know what that album art is yeah that's thing? that's insane dude i have that on vinyl and i've stared at it so many times <laughs> and i've never been able to make really much sense of it can't make heads or tails of it yeah but that just kind of ties back to like king gizzard really really is uh so good at keeping concepts going throughout a whole record and then through over multiple records, like a span of records. And this one definitely feels like a concept album in a way because not just of like the lyrical content, but just this music that it almost feels like they're playing the same riff in the, in different songs sometimes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And sometimes they are. And sometimes they are. It's, it's the same thing as murder of the universe where it almost feels like, a rock musical. Yeah, I I kind of compared it to like the works of J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, The Hobbit and uh, Lord of the Rings and yeah, all that. I never heard of him. That yeah. <laughs> he was an underground author. Fucking, okay, yeah, I was like pff, fucking nerd. Uh but like, you know, just the the immense lore and world that Lord of the Rings has, it seems like Gizzard is trying to kind of do that with their music. Yeah, it really does, man. Listening to like Infest the Rat's Nest and um Right. You know, and there's not a lot of times I don't pay much attention to Stu's lyrics, but when I actually look them up, like we did for for Infest the Rat's Nest and like I did for Polygon Wildland, they're so good. He's a really good lyricist and he really is I think the driving force of all this creativity of all these stories and building this kind of lore and there's a Giz verse. I mean, yeah, for sure. I I mean, it, part of you, I don't know. They might say it in interviews, but there's no way that the band doesn't kind of collaborate somehow on these records. Oh, for sure. In, in more of a way than other bands do. Because, like, so much music, they have such a huge discography, and it's all so deep. Yeah. And yeah, like it is definitely spearheaded by the singer guitarist, but there's no way one person could do all this. No, I mean, I think how yeah, like prolific these guys are and they're all clearly on the same page. Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird to have. I think there's like six guys in this band, maybe seven. And it's weird to have a big group of people like this that they seem like they're all on the exact same wavelength. Yeah, and you know they release albums like uh, Gumbo 
whatever or, gum, or fishing for fishies. Soup. Yeah, man. Yeah. And it's like, how is this the same group of people? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did no one leave this band sooner? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's been the same guys since the beginning, too. Dude, so I mean, think like you have to all be, I mean, on the same page to release five albums in one year. Right. Which is when this album came out. It was in the year that they released four other full-length records, all fantastic. No no filler. No filler. At all. No. The only it's one I would insane. say... It, the only one I might consider has filler is Murder of the Universe, but it's because I think that one is the most concept album that they have and it's their one of their heaviest like i put it up there with infest the rat's nest but in a different way Mm. like a different kind of heavy much more like plotting and you know just slow and brutal heavy and it's and it's great but they i mean they repeat they literally have like altered beasts one through five i mean yeah for sure so you're gonna hear the same kind of the same song for the next 15 20 minutes the focus on that one is definitely in the narration. Yeah. Uh, which, like, takes up 70% of the vocals, really, if not more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the amount of that, that lady narrating, you know, the whole story, which is really, really cool and definitely like Tolkien esque, you know, uh, yeah. Lovecraft, Tolkien inspired. Uh, and that, then the that last part, when that, when that, like, kind of robotic dude comes in. Oh man, I, I, there's, that's one of my favorites randomly is uh murder of the universe because of that. I just think it's so ballsy. It's, I mean, it, they, it, they record in their own studio, right? Like they're kind yeah. of their own producers so they can just do, I think they have their own label stuff like this. Yeah. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. And with this album, they released the whole thing for free. Like who does that? I think only Radiohead is the only like other huge band, you know, huge to me that I think has released an entire record for free. And these guys did it for free and they were like download it if you want, make copies, make tapes. Like they there's been over I think there's like 200 over 280 different versions of the vinyl record because oh my God. they just said, you know, do you want to start your own label? here's your first record to start your own label. Do you want to start your own, you know, like printing thing? Like they just kind of gave people opportunities. And so people came up with all these different color vinyls and all this different art. And and it was really cool. And I haven't heard of any other band doing anything like that. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I guess when you release five albums in a year, you can go ahead and let one slide. You don't need to make profit from all of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, still, that's really cool. And it is such a great album, man. I fucking love this record. Yeah. Well, tell me about why you chose this one in particular. Because we did Infest the Rastnets. Yeah. And then this was the only other King Gizzard album on your list, right? Yeah, because uh, I knew I knew we had to do another one, right? Like, they're <laughs> sure. probably one of my at least definitely top ten, if not possibly top five bands. Um, but it's I, I went through the list, and this is the one that stuck out to me. It was the one that I remember the most, the one I remember listening to the most. Next to, but I listen to all of them so much. But this is just one that stood out to me, man. <laughs> this one has a really cool combination of like. Those King Gizzard psychouts that I love, where they yeah. just go like, Rah! they have the guitar like just on mega, you know, uh, delay, and then their vocals are just like, Whoa! 
they're just going crazy. I love but those you know, on, those psych outs that they do, and and it's it you know they did it on Nonagon Infinity the whole time, and then they kind of bring oh, it yeah. back every now and then. But this record really, they kind of they kind of like let off a little on that stuff on this one right and i knew that was something that you kind of it kind of got to you right not really uh, okay i know some people I mean, that that didn't like how much they, it feel like they relied on it and it did start kind of feeling like it was a fallback <laughs> i i mean i love it every single time i it, love just, it like the iconic woo or on fest yeah. when it's like uh, whatever it's like oh <laughs> Yeah, no, it's cool that they they really. I think they only used it like twice on this record, and and not even for you know something that they went back to. They only did it once in like two different songs. Yeah, and that's something I love about it. Like this record is all over the place, and I think that's my favorite part because just in the first song, "Crumbling Castle," it goes to like four well, different genres. Yeah, it's like a ten minute song. It's and so they just cool. kind of go everywhere with it. Yeah, they go everywhere. Like the doom parts are awesome. The you know there's just like straight like kind of microtonal psych rock and electro stuff and then they get super garage yeah. like near the end of it. It's so fun, man. So that's I think that's why this album really stood out to me is just because like how many different vibes they span, but how they do bring back melodies and they have like motifs and they have hooks and they have riffs and stuff that they kind of throw into songs just to kind of keep this overarching uh, idea going. And I think it's really fun yeah i mean it's 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 a little less rock than their last records yeah i wouldn't say that's not a bad thing in any in any case it's no just like kind of they really lean, they going for they really leaned into the like eastern inspired song sounds on this one yeah and I, this is nothing new to gizzard but so many weird time signatures and weird rhythms weird beats in this one but it's somehow like still easy to bop your head to <laughs> yeah it's easy it, i have to turn my brain off to listen to it because like there's something <laughs> in me that like i have to learn the drum part i have to be able to do it yeah. you know perfectly like they do yeah uh and i just had to turn that off and fully just be taken for the ride yeah well they take you all over the place on this record man like I love the the there's like this synth flute throughout the whole record that they just bring back and it reminds me of like the Uncle Acid Yellow Moon song mm. on night on Night Creeper where it's like just 60s sounding synth flute. Yeah. And that's like all over this record. <laughs> I mean, did you ever think that you would get into microtonal stuff had it not been for King Gizzard? I mean, I've always really been interested in that region of music, but nothing there had grabbed me and it needed to kind of be modernized and <laughs> rockinized, I guess. Yeah, rockinized, yeah. You yeah. better rockinize. <laughs> I, I did rockinize. <laughs> I rockinized these guys. Joke landed. <laughs> Joke landed. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's so they they really brought this thing to the forefront and showed that it can be used in this really cool rock context which is 
inspired me personally uh, with my punk band Burn Van. I really want to try to oh, make nice. some like punk songs that incorporate these scales and these rhythms. Dude, yeah. I mean, this stuff sounds like Turkish psych rock from the 70s. It's very throwback to that. And I would love if your fucking punk band did that. That would be awesome. <laughs> we'll see if I can pull it off. I feel like but... it would be really cool. I mean, there's there's something that uh, about minor key music that I like way more than major. I love minor key music. It's, sure. You know, way more moody and stuff. And It seems it, it usually like seems like it has more depth and seriousness to it, I guess. It does, right? Like you hear a major key song and it just sounds... It just makes me uncomfortable almost. <laughs> it's kind of cheesy. Yeah, it's very cheesy. And like it a Toothpaste seemed... commercial. Yeah, right. It seems like kind of corporate and produced. Yeah, for Not sure. Not saying that every... You can't say every major key song is bad. That's ridiculous. But no. it... You know. I like plenty of reggae, you know? <laughs> I can listen to a, a Justin Timberlake song. I guess those wow, are probably minor. Wow, look at you. I know. I guess it's already minor key too, probably most of the time. But that's what's great about microtonal music is that like it's all sounds like minor key and it's like creepy and kind of like unnerving the the riffs that they come up with on this album and it puts you in this really like mood this mood you know. Yeah, because it uses a lot of like you know the microtonal stuff has a lot of using a lot of notes that are very close to each other and you're kind of. Quarter steps and it, half steps and stuff, and it's like, yeah, whoa. And it, gives it, it, it just gives it a weird, like, uncomfortable, like, you shouldn't be doing that feel. Yeah, yeah uh, they're not notes that we hear a lot of times in Western music. So it's, you know, this type of, like, if it had it not been for King Gizzard, I wouldn't be into all that Eastern European psych rock that I'm jamming to these days. Right. They totally turned me on definitely a that. gateway. Yeah, like, because of them, I bought an Ethiopian jazz record. <laughs> it's just wow, okay. yeah they they've really exposed me to a lot of different music that i would never have heard had i not listened to king gizzard and i feel like this album is such a great representation of exactly that yeah right and it just touches on so many uh kind of genres and moods as you said like they'll have some uh uh, one of the songs that just has like a lot of percussion in it that is really interesting and there will be like these kind of acoustic um i guess they're guitars but they could be something else yeah for all i know they are not guitars i think this is one of the records that they basically built their own instruments on the guitars really? yeah they they built custom guitars that had these microtonal uh notes placed on the frets and i think the bassist did too I'm not 100% sure, but it's weird when you I speak. Go ahead. Speaking of the bassist, I mean, we can get into that. Like, you do your thing first. No, I mean, I love the bass tone on this record. The bass tone, the bass parts, man. I They're so catchy. It's hard to... I feel like it's hard to underrate any of these musicians, but it really feels like the bassist isn't talked about that much, and... He's always bringing such cool stuff to the table. Yeah, he's low key one of the best in the band. He, he For keeps sure. he keeps that groove going, and maybe that he's the reason why it's so easy to kind of follow along. You know, to these yeah, really I'm, off rhythms. Like listening to 
What am I listening to right now? Fucking The Castle in the Air, man. It has just like, <laughs> like this weird offbeat that, you know, you can easily, like your brain doesn't want to make sense of it. And then they mix in all these really dope, you know, like you said, either acoustic guitars or what, or maybe some Eastern uh, instrument that, you know, we've never even heard of. Right. But yeah, that's the, I, that's the secret of kind of keeping an audience in the groove is uh, of really good bass groove and, yeah. you know, drums help as well. Yeah. That's, that's part of the reason why Mars Volta is one of my favorite bands of all time because they are so chaotic in their music, but they're focused enough that you don't get lost and you don't kind of glaze your eyes over. And that's mainly because of the bassists. Yeah, the bass is definitely like just he's able to keep you. Yeah, he keeps you in the pocket. And uh, man, I love his tone too. Like you were saying, like it's very vintage sounding, and I don't know how they got that, but it's so cool. Oh yeah, makes for it sound sure. like a '60s psych album. <laughs> it sounds very, I guess, like round, bubbly. Is that the right kind of? Yeah, it almost, but it almost sounds. That's weird that you would choose that because I agree, but I thought like compressed at first, but it does sound, it's not muffled, you know, but it's, it kind of does sound like it's just coming through a vintage amp or he's using like an old pickup or something. I don't even know. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. He's probably like using a vintage old sixties or seventies bass. Yeah. And probably built they his might own have base. put it in an old amp i don't know yeah you, you know you never know with these musicians yeah he probably grew the tree cut it down <laughs> built the base got struck by lightning yeah <laughs> when he got struck by lightning he realized that he had to make a bass guitar out of it <laughs> uh but yeah man such a cool album it just it's it's kind of weird because there were multiple times when I listened to it that I just got lost in it and I just didn't even like, I didn't realize what song I was in. Yeah. Cause man. it's kind of hard to think about it that way. Yeah. You, you it's, there's something, you know, I, I need to find a different word, but hypnotic about their music. Kind of like it puts you in a trance. It does. It's weird that there's so much going on, but I can just, it just puts me in this. It like, I feel it slowly. I get like tunnel vision Right, and I end up like I'm staring at my blinds for four and a half minutes listening to a song and not realizing like just tongue <laughs> hanging out of my mouth. But uh, I mean, shit, man, what's a uh, what's your what's your first nug, man? It is time. It is time. It is time for choice nugs. It is time. It is time. It is time for choice nugs. My first nug. I think it's about time. I mean. I gotta give it to track one. I share that with you, my man. Crumbling, Crumbling Castle. Crumbling Castle is such an amazing song. It's an epic. It's just it takes you on a journey through this whole thing, and it's so weird because it's very repetitive. But I've never gotten sick of it. No, and it's it's only repetitive. It reminds me of almost like a Afrobeat structure of a song, where they do it for just long enough. They keep this same thing going for just long enough that you start getting like, okay, this is starting to get a little repetitive. And then they switch it on you. <laughs> and they flip it. Yeah, because there's this pervading riff 
the boom, da, 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 that follows the vocals. And even the vocals, like Grumbling Castle, is said after like every single line. And you would think that would get grating and annoying. You'd be like, okay, can you do something else? But it really, it's just like, I don't know, it, it really doesn't bother me at all through the entire 10 minutes of the song because they change it up enough. And. I don't know. It's just a good part. Yeah. Even <laughs> yeah. They they bring back like a lot of riffs. They play a lot of riffs. Uh, uh you know, over and over again. Like the the same parts, but the riffs do change every like thirty forty five seconds. So it's like you're only getting that bound it to bound it to bound 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 it to bound 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 for you know like thirty seconds or whatever. Yeah. And then the next one, I love that like that little really quiet guitar part riff that they all you know it kind of quiets down like right before the chorus right man yeah yeah this has got to be the most epic longest opening track of any record (laughs) (laughs) you know other than those bands that just write you know 16 minute songs this is you know this is over 10 minutes for the first track of a record that is ballsy yeah and it's it i mean it's hard to say this with king gizzard it might be their longest track but They've had albums that are basically one track, <laughs> so it's kind of true. You know, yeah, it's nothing they aren't used to. Yeah, doing these long, you know, sections and 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 movements. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, dude, exactly. That it does kind of seem like that's how they write. You know, they're really good at like building up the tension and building up the energy and having like the payoff. Right, and, and this like, there's like three of those on this song. <laughs> It's so crazy. Like my favorite part is like eight minutes in, right? When uh, they're doing crumbling castle, but the drums are kind of doing a a more punky kind of thing. And it's one of the few moments on the record that sounds like it's in a regular time, like four four. Yeah, and that's when Uh, they have like the first psych out part. Uh, And it's just so cool. Like everything explodes and it's just going off and. Yeah, the dual drums I feel like stand out a lot of this song. Cuz they're both there's one drummer in the right ear and one drummer in the left and if you pay attention there some most of the times they're doing something slightly different. Are they? Just slightly. Are they? Just ever so slightly. You'll no, notice. It kind of seems like they're doing the same thing for every song, for every album. No. So it's like why couldn't you record one drummer twice? That's, it's almost like see, it's like that. Everyone has to be wrong. Eventually in their life, Fred. <laughs> and as a drummer, frankly, I'm a little disappointed. You oh, as you're saying yourself as a drummer, you're disappointed in me. Well, in my my soul is a drummer, but my right. my body is a guitarist. But I mean, <laughs> you as a drummer, slightly disappointed that you didn't notice that. Uh, you know, it's almost like uh, they could have done a lot more with two drummers, having them do different parts I have uh, a... instead of the same part for every single song. Starting to get the vibe that you don't like the two drummer thing. It, oh, is that the vibe I'm putting out it's there? It's kind of, I mean, I don't know if you noticed oh, that, but so yeah, it's kind of the vibe I, you're putting out there. I didn't mean for that. See, I've. I've, I love it when two drummers do the same thing mm. all the time. Okay, it's starting to feel a little well, it's just, aggressive now. <laughs> it's like I've always been baffled by how large bands even work in the first place. I can't, it was so hard for me when I was starting out and currently 
to get yeah. three people in the same room. You know, know what I'm right? saying? So how do you get seven people to learn a song? How do you get seven people to play parts on five albums in one year? It baffles me. They must yeah. be locked in the studio. I don't think the singer is going to let them out. I don't think there's anything they anything else they do but write music. It really seems like, and they tour a yeah. shit ton too. So it's even more impressive that they can write five albums in a year and then and don't really stop. They didn't lose much momentum. They've they've released probably four or five records. Maybe I don't know for sure, but since this album came out, you know, I mean, yeah, they've been consistently putting out music. Yeah, it's a little uh, it's a little ridiculous at this point. Like, you know, yeah. It's, and so my thing is like, why would you add another person that doesn't even need to be there? Be, but you know, whatever everyone, apparently I'm the only one with this opinion. So I guess I'm yeah, wrong. You know, it's a little, whatever. Every, it's a little like, early in the year to be a fucking Scrooge. <laughs> it's almost December. Yeah. We're like we're like, it's a little early. 10, yeah. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah. Because sorry about my opinions that are also facts. I think and right. It adds a lot to it, personally. I, uh-huh. The first time I ever saw it was Andrew W.K. I have fond memories of listening to Andrew W.K. in high school, punching myself in the nose repeatedly just to have that look all day. Just to get that nosebleed. Just, I had, a, I had a, a constant nosebleed for like seven months. Right. And it, was that how you lost all that weight in college? That was the first way I tried. Right. It didn't work. I was trying to lose blood weight, and apparently that's not a good idea. <laughs> apparently, apparently, doctors do not like that. Yeah, uh, blood weight is not a thing. It's what is what I learned. Well, it kind of seems like some uh, liberal news to me, but uh... oh wow, we're gonna we're gonna go there, huh? <laughs> well, buddy, what is your? Uh, I guess one of your your first nuggets. Crumbly Castle it's, as well. I I didn't even have to think about it. It is one of the reasons why this is my favorite album by them. This song in particular. This song in particular. So it's probably one of my favorite songs by them, if not my favorite. Ugh, and how they slow it down to like a snail's pace at the end and have the weird low voice. Grumblingas. That is so cool. It's there's it's so many cool parts crazy. like when they slow it down like six minutes in, and introduce that that low like throat singing voice. Yeah, right. That Stu does so well. I love that fucking voice. And then they have the psych out moment, and then yeah, they bring it back to the end. That's like this doomy, like you know, almost. It sounds like their amps are being blown out. <laughs> right. It's like. So fu- it's like it sounds a lot like I'm in your mind fuzz. Everything's just fuzzed the heck up. <laughs> yeah, so that is a clear, clear favorite for me. But man, the second one, you know, just like a good album should, man, uh, was a little hard for me to pick because um, I had a lot of, uh, you know, honorable mentions. I loved Inner Cell. Inner Cell is such a fucking great song. Mm, yeah. I loved the one before that, Deserted Dunes, Welcome Weary Feet, like super synthy, so fun, like probably the most like uh, flying microtonal banana out of any song on the record. (laughs) Honestly, all of them, dude. Uh, The Fourth Color was a very, very, very close choice nug, but I ended up picking Tetrachromacy. Tetrachromacy. This is 
one of the few moments where it sounds like the singer actually sings. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is one of the f- songs the most that the dual drummer thing would that you know would stand out to you. Because when you hear just one in the intro, you know it's not it's just not the same, and it's probably just because they're you know only coming out of the left ear. So it sounds like something's missing. <laughs> so it sounds, yeah, it sounds kind of empty already but, just by default. Man, when that second drum comes in with the like, and the song right. starts opening up, but uh, that's man. that's what I'm saying with the do. You know what? We could have an entire episode yeah, about this. I'm yeah. not going to get Let's, into it. I love the the tone of the acoustic guitar on this song, I, and, Ooh, I, and the yeah. riff, man. They're both so good. It it almost sounds like some kind of hybrid between, like. Uh, Latin and a classical guitar. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. I don't. For all I know, they're playing Martins, you know. But there are microtonal. I'm pretty sure there's microtonal notes on this, but it's it. They sound again, kind of like the bass, a little somewhat like and the, and the synth, a little somewhat muffled. Like it sounds yeah. old or vintage or something, but it's also very well rounded. Like the tone is really good on the guitars and. The acoustic guitar just stands out so much on this song. Yeah, and another thing that I've always loved about Gizzard is how they have like seven people in the band, but it never sounds bloated. No, man. I mean, you hear like there's one guitar that's like doing this, and then the other one, and it's a weird count. It's a really weird time signature and right. two drums and a saxophone and a bass, you know, and there's a lot going on, but it's all just works so, so well together. And this song always stood out to me every time I listened to the album. And it was again, like my, you know, second favorite next to Crumbly Castle. Mm. The chorus, like I love when it breaks out, like tetrachromas, and it's very similar to Crumbling Castle, and in, in yeah, the a little riffage. bit, like the uh, especially the beginning, for or, sure, not the beginning, no, 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 the I think the chorus, right? Yeah, yeah, the, I, yeah. Sorry, and it, no, no, and then they kind of do the same thing that they do in Crumbling Castle, where they isolate. Of, I'm, I'm guessing is a synthesizer flute, a synth flute, and just the guitar. Oh no, baby, that's a harmonica, dude. There's some great harmonica on this song. Oh yeah, for sure. I the I don't it's know. Such if a weird addition. It, I I do not hear harmonica a lot, so this could be the norm. But I've always loved how the harmonica sounds in in Gizzard songs. Yeah, right. The way they mix it in, it's it's like just enough in the back that it's hard to tell what it is at first. Yeah. And when you notice then, it, it's really cool because really much all he does is pretty much yeah. and that's all it takes to just add a really cool layer to everything. And it's always got a little distortion. It's always it's always sounds very high in frequencies, but it's never shrill or yeah. grating. It's, and I don't know how they do that. It's perfectly mixed in. Like yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, tetrachromacy, man. It's just has a such a great like stoner rock, great energy. I love all the synth on it during the chorus. That tetrachromacy. Yeah. I'm like, this, oh, buddy. I'm all about being, the bowels. 
<laughs> this this being one of your nugs on this album makes sense as to why you like Butterfly 3000 so much. Right? right? All that synth, it, dude. Yeah, and it has that that uh I it just has that feel about it. It just seems like it could have been an outtake on on Butterfly if they had like the early stages of it, which I guess is exactly what it is. Yeah, it's uh dude, yeah. I mean it was funny every time I listened to this probably almost the most out of any album that we've listened to for the podcast because I love it so much. Mm. I can listen to it almost I listen to it almost every day in the last week. And it's wow. And it's the one that that me and you probably communicated the most about out of the probably the last 20 records that we've done on the podcast. We're like outside of the podcast cuz we don't like to share a lot, you know, we like to save it. I like to well, I like to savor the, this time with you. I mean, yeah, it was it was just it was really only a one conversation though. But it's almost more than we've done <laughs> than for the last like ten or fifteen albums. Well, because I basically told you like, yeah, this is great. This dude. is fucking like, great. This is dope. Yeah. Which we usually try to keep those things hidden away. Yeah, we try. Yeah, we try. Or and at keep... least be more subtle about it. Try, yeah, we try and be a little, uh, you know, keep it close to the vest. I, I don't <laughs> like talking to you in between recordings. Right. So, And that's why I prefer to keep never, it that way. I don't really like you unless you're talking about music. So, Right. It's I kind of just, it. we just tune each other out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's kind of, yeah, it's the same. Like, you put me in just as much of a trance as, uh, so as my a King favorite, Gizzard song. So, uh, my second nug is probably going to be... Uh, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, I already talked about mine, dude. I'll just put my mic on mute. <laughs> I'm just going to dig it now. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, uh, three, two, one. Uh, well, this might, this might get your fancy. My second nug is fourth color. Oh, man. Such a good song. Such a good song. And I noticed at the very beginning, that's the pattern they used uh, between uh, Desert Dunes, Castle in the Air, and Desert Dunes. I knew, See, like, I listen to this as a whole, man. I, I pick up on these things, but I can never, you know, like, recognize it like that. And I knew yeah. it. That I love that. It's so like Indian sounding. It's so cool. And it's such a fast drum part at the beginning. Yeah. And then immediately gets into the music. And the drums are very jazzy the whole time. They don't really stop. You know. Yeah. So fast. The splashy cymbals. Love it. And so fun. Love the Indian sounding music. Uh, it's so cool that it's being presented in this context. Yeah. I think it's so, I don't know. It's just always really interesting and cool to listen to. Yeah. And I love what they, 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 the man, it's again, man, like, I don't know if I would dig music like this outside of the context of King Gizzard. had it not been for King Gizzard. Right. I have this as a reference now that I'm just like, oh man, now it all kind of, now all fucking Indian music sounds like King Gizzard to me. <laughs> but man, they bring back the cool like left and right vocals thing from yeah. from the the song before from Searching when they start just kind of like going back and forth and it's like, whoa, very trippy. And it's super, super energetic the whole time, which I love until 
like three and a half minutes in when it just goes silent uh for like a minute and a half or something and you think oh i guess the album's over yeah they got me every uh, time with it it's that's how stoned i was every time i listen to these records <laughs> every time i was i just think to myself man that was so good and i would just kind of bask in like you know my glow my my post poly glow you're right the afterglow and then and then and they then, have a fucking psych out and then the drums come in doing this crazy fast like drum fill on the toms yep and then everything comes in again it's like whoa i thought we were done here yeah yeah they got me they got me every single time and that drum part can be so annoying but because it's leading to that great psych fucking jam out uh i love it ugh so cool i don't know why they needed 2 minutes of like near silence to get to it but whatever, man. Just, like I love, I love it. They're so good at building that tension, you know. Yeah, right. I, I I'm realizing throughout, you know, the albums that we pick to listen to on, the, on this podcast. I'm noticing that that's something that is huge for me is being able to kind of bring the music down and then bring it back up, or, or have the energy going the whole time, but have it pay off for something that's yeah. even bigger, you know. And I, you know, there's some very select bands that do that like arcs bandits you know like i feel like right. uh, for me the bronx even though you know you're not into it <laughs> i haven't listened to a lot of them yeah like the drips you know the kind of same thing it's just they're just there's something like i'm realizing how much that affects my opinion of the music as a whole because it does just take you on this journey and you ride this roller coaster and king gizzard is so good about making their songs feel like like rides. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really, it's, it's so weird. Cause they do that as well as put you like in a daze listening to their music where yeah. you just get lost. In it. Yeah. And it's this weird, perfect balance of kind of that psych trance being hypnotized by the same riff as well as just having enough dynamics to keep you interested through an entire song through an entire record yeah and and even records like this that repeat riffs and motifs and melodies and it does not feel like it does and uh man this it's you know going through it again dude it's it's such a huge contender for my favorite king gizzard record of all time so far is that is that like right next to Butterfly Three Thousand or what other albums? You it's got to be right next to it, dude. Well, I kind of wanted to ask you this: what your top three King Gizzard albums are? Um, geez. Well, let let me first list for myself what I've listened to. I've listened to Nonagon Infinity, mm. uh, Murder the Universe, Polygon One Land, LW, KG, uh, Infest, um. Fishing for fishies for some reason. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> gonna be one on my on my low end. Uh, I'm in your mind, fuzz, and I think those are it. I think my top ones are LW, which you still haven't listened to. No, man, that's I can't believe there's there's two LW and K. Well, I listen to KG, but LW especially, I've heard the least. And I yeah, can't believe LW, it, man. I I really. I think the concept for murder of the universe is so cool. 
and they pull it off so well. Yeah. Uh, even if I don't know what they're saying, really. <laughs> uh, and Nonagon Infinity just has all my favorite rock jams on it. Yeah, man. It's uh, like Nonagon is is I think in my top three. I mean, it's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah. It's got People Vultures, which might be my favorite Gizzard song. I mean, Gamma Knife, I don't know, might be one of my maybe my second favorite song, if not my favorite. I just remembered it. <laughs> Gamma Knife and Vo- People Vultures People are Vultures basically so part one and part two of the same song. Yeah, that, that uh, Nonagon, I mean, all right, so having said that, I mean, I've heard all of these albums except really LW. I only heard LW at, at your house that one day. Really, and what I was hearing, I liked, and especially because you know I can't believe I haven't listened to it yet. But you've said that it's kind of a precursor for Butterfly Three Thousand, and that's that that became one of my favorites very quickly. Dude, just like what? What am I? Am I gonna have to make us do an episode about it to make you listen to it? Is that what's gonna have to happen? I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't kick you out of bed for eating crackers for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, that's like kind of our priority number one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I I think I'm gonna listen to that, you know, this week or whatever. But, uh, dude, all right. So having said that, what are your what are your top three? My top three albums. Yeah. Uh, non Gun Infinity, LW. Um, oh boy. I know, man. It's hard. But I, I have to listen to my heart. I'm going to say Butterfly 3000. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. So we share two because my three are Butterfly 3000, Nonagon Infinity, and Polygon Duana Land. Yeah. And, you know, I'm obviously not putting this album down. It's still a fantastic album. I haven't heard a King Gizzard song I didn't like, you know? Honestly, I still really can't get that into Fishing for Fishies as an album. Yeah, I mean, you just gotta be in that in that <laughs> hickey kind of Louisiana swamp mood, man. Yeah, this hokey fucking fishing for fishies. It's just a little. It's a little too much. It's a little. That, they went a little that, too much. You know what? Thinking about it, that might have been the debut of this guy's like weird kind of head voice, like. I think I think that's the harmon- uh, harmonica player singing that. Really? Yeah. I don't want to fish for fish. <laughs> I just want to let them freely swim. It's it's a little too much for me. Well, you're a little too much for me. Oh, you're big belugas. Boy. <laughs> All right. Well, what do you rate this record? I'm going to rate this record an 8.3. I mean, there are not going to be any Gizzard records that are below like a 7. Oh, definitely not. Really for me? Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) And I, you know, this is is definitely on the same plane as uh, Nonagon and... I'm in your mind. And it, it, it had a lot of interesting things that I think they went on to explore later, which is very cool. Yeah. Uh, and even though I didn't get so into the lyrics, 
uh, he is a very good lyric writer. You know, he is really good, man. He he doesn't. I don't know. I love the his word usage. Like I feel like he the the books that he reads, I want to read. <laughs> right. You know, I feel like he's really he found some really cool fantasy novels that I need to fucking find. I'm going to see if he has a book list somewhere. I'm sure he does. You know, I think uh, there was a, there was a show on YouTube that was uh, Amoeba records in LA or San Francisco. They would just get comedians and and artists and musicians and stuff to come in the, in the store and get, they would give them a $50 gift certificate and they could just get whatever they wanted. And the singer of King Gizzard is one of the only people that I saw buy a book. I didn't know they even had books. They had there. a book in the mix. He had like several. I think he had two or three books, and then he got maybe a couple of records from, of course, I don't think anything I've ever heard of before. <laughs> but yeah, he's. I just. I love his lyrics too, man. They're not. It's weird to say that they're not like complex or. I I think they're special. I think they're cool. They're, they just kind of bring this era of fantasy and like whimsy even yeah like a kind of brooding dark whimsy uh that not i i haven't seen many other people try to even do or do to this degree yeah i agree um it's 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 one of the things it's like again you know, there's so many things that you can pick out in each one of these songs. You don't even have to listen to his lyrics if you don't want to, because everything blends in together that it all just kind of puts you in this, you know, this mood. It's just very, their, their songs are very moody and this album is very moody. Yeah. And I'm a moody bitch. So, I mean, this is one of my favorites. I, it has one of my favorite songs ever by King Gizzard. There's nothing bad I can say about this record. Like, at all. So, I have to give it, like, a 9.4. What are you... Okay, but what are you subtracting the point six from? Because I don't think it's a perfect record. But I can't think of anything bad to say about it. You're just saying it doesn't tickle every single little, little nerve on your little hiney. I'm... It tickles most of my hiney nerves. But I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know why I can't give it a 10. But I can't because it doesn't feel right. Well, I mean, that's all it's all about yeah. is, is the feel. I don't think it's a perfect record for some reason, and I don't know what it is. But it's definitely well, one of my favorites, and I think it's amazing. You know, either figure it out or change your mindset. Or huh? shut up about it. Or shut up about it. Well, all right. Fucking, I'll shut up about it. <laughs> well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you. Kind of so sticking, much. sticking with us. We've. It, it's kind of been weird. The uh, the other half of this podcast, the shorties have been a little inconsistent. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, we're figuring it out, man. We're trying but, our best. Yeah, we're just doing our dang 
best, you know, and it's it's all you can do. Yeah, we're trying to we're we're basically trying to figure out how we can film and release an audio version at the same time, and for some reason it's harder than it sounds. It's so like we recorded an episode with video and audio, and it was it's completely fine until I import it into iMovie, and then it has this weird metal chamber echo phasey effect on it and it's maddening but i think i can figure out a way to fix it uh anyway damn (laughs) that's neither here nor there you can follow us on instagram at evpcast uh you can follow lucas at jen jen little cars or something you got it you can follow me at het branrahan yep you got a YouTube. We got a Podbean website. <laughs> if you're, if you loved, if you just go into Podbean every day and like, ooh, what can I find? Yeah, we'll have merch if We're you guys create it for us on Cafe Press. Guys, just make the merch. Give us the profits. Just gimme, gimme, money. Do now. all the hard stuff. We'll take the money. Money, don't me. worry about it. Money me now. Money me, <laughs> money me now. Money me, money now. Um. And yeah, uh, what Lucas? What would you rate this episode? Oh, man, I'm gonna have to give it a nine point four four four. A nine point four four four. I'm gonna give it a nine point four four four. Weird. But with a little uh, with a little line over it, so it inca- indicates that it goes forever. I think you called me a poser earlier, and uh, showing some poser well, poser tendencies with that one. My. My little number is longer than yours, so who is really the poster? All right, now we're just now it's a number measuring contest. Count me out. <laughs> and I, I'll count you in one, two, three. <laughs> no, I think on the next episode, Brett, and I might just edit this out, but we might be listening to Alanis Morissette's "Jagged Little Pill." Oh wow! Okay, and that yeah, I mean that is one of the. I've always been interested to get into it because it is like one of the best-selling albums of all time for some reason. Holy shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like in the top ten. Wow, dude. I mean, it was huge, and I have a very, I have a pretty special connection to that album. So, yeah, we're gonna. I think we're gonna have our friend Brittany on, and we're gonna be talking about Jack a Little Pill. So, all right, great. And I prepare. You know, like I was practicing with with Burn Band, and my throat's a little sore, so. Well, all right. So you're not going to sing on the next episode? Is that what you're saying? Like, well, I, I mean, I'm going to definitely try to sing. Yeah, I mean, we have to sing every episode. <laughs> and you know, speaking of which, let's go ahead and sing that outro song, bud. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, three, two, one. Goodbye, go. hey, everybody. No, it's time to end episode. Hey, man, we love you Woo. guys. Goodbye, Grumbling, grumbling castle. (laughs) Three, two, one. Brett, this was good. This was good. Bye, buddies. Bye.